what's more effective, a well-trained person with no equipment or a well-equipped person with no training? Well, in certain cases, I'd have to say that a person with proper training can get by with minimal equipment. But ideally, you'd like to have both. Lads to leaders. Now, Lads to Leaders is known as a program, but I'd like to describe it as a process. You see, the name is the process. You take lads, young people, and you mature them into leaders. The process of lads becoming leaders is about both equipment and training. Young people are equipped with values. They are equipped with philosophy, and they are equipped with special skills. Lads to Leaders is not just learning to do, but in reality, it's doing to learn. And as people participate in the Lads to Leaders program, they become well-trained and well-equipped to be the future leaders. And church leaders or community leaders, it, it produces leadership qualities in young people. The Lads to Leaders program is the legacy of Dr. Jack Zorn, who invented the program. If you're interested in participating in Lads to Leaders, ladstoleaders.com. If you're interested in learning more about it, you can contact Rhonda Fernandez, 321-202-7600, 321-202-7600, ladstoleaders.com. Producing leaders in the church, in the future, in the young people of today. Keeping up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure is sponsored by SJL General Contractors. SJL General Contractors is licensed in both Alabama and Tennessee. This family-owned business provides mass grading, storm drainage, sewer and concrete improvement, asphalt paving, erosion control, demolition, and heavy hauling. If you're in need of any of these services, you can contact them at 931-433-4660. That is 931-433-4660. If you'd like to be employed by this family-owned company, three W's and a dot, sjnl.com, www.sjnl.com. Having not played stick and ball sports for my high school, you can imagine the excitement I had when I got a chance to play organized sports at Harding University, representing my club. Now, I didn't come to Harding bereft of any athletic experience. We played pickup ball games in our backyards and in the neighborhood, and we would play Sunday afternoon football games and sometimes touch, sometimes tackle, and we had a basketball rim in, in our driveway. And so I came to school having some knowledge of sports. I just didn't, I just wasn't an athlete in high school. And I got to represent this club that I was part of, a group of guys called King's Men. Now, there's a sponsor of my podcast, and they're a construction group. They provide the safety signs for construction groups out on the highway. That's TKM Industries. They're called The King's Men, but this is a different group. This is King's Men, and I can remember stepping out on that ball field on Thursday and Friday nights under those stadium lights wearing that royal blue jersey with the gold piping and, and a cross and a crown on each shoulder, and the crown was a crown of thorns, and my name blazoned across my shoulders, Lonzo, my nom de guerre. It was what I signed all my artwork with. And then my number 
my number of choice was the the uh, algebraic sign for infinity, the dead eight, and I called it eternity. Now, the guy that ran our program was Daryl Webb. And Daryl Webb's philosophy for us playing uh, football for Harding University's club was that the defensive ends did not contain. All they did was go into the backfield and maraud. His his job for his linebackers was containment, and he said, my defensive ends, all I want you to do is get in the backfield and ruin the quarterback's day. And and we did. We were marauders. Uh, the other de- the other defensive ends were uh, Chris and Dan Cutts, and then a guy named Pete Colligan. Chris and Dan sometimes flip flopped, and they were twins, and they played uh, defensive ends and outline outside linebackers. But I can remember bursting through that line after having stunted the front line, and and maybe open up a gap and get in, and and missing a quarterback. Now without trying to be braggadocious, the only two quarterbacks I didn't sack in my four-year career playing club ball was a guy named Percy Howard III and Dr. Cliff Gaines. Now, I will forever live in shame that I could not sack a guy named Percy, but he was a very gifted athlete, and Percy Howard III was uh, Teflon smooth and very quick. And then Dr. Gaines was just – he his time from snap to getting rid of the ball was just unbelievably smooth. And he had years and years and years of experience. He was a natural athlete. And I didn't sack Dr. Gaines, and I didn't sack Percy Howard III. But everybody else I ever played against, I sacked at least one time. It was those times that I didn't sack somebody. It was those times that I would get in and, and over-penetrate and a quarterback would roll out and, and break for some yardage. I'd get back on the sidelines and Darrell Webb would look at me and go, Lonzo, you are chasing vapor trails. And those words still ring in my head. If I'm chasing somebody and I reach out and miss, I hear Darrell Webb say, you're chasing vapor trails. I like that phrase, vapor trails. I just returned from a speaking engagement where I was asked to, to do some talking in a one of a series of speeches on the book of Ecclesiastes. And as the writer introduces his story in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says that some of the things that we pursue as humans, the things that we do, quote unquote, under the sun, are like grasping the wind or chasing after the wind. And repetitively in his book, he'll talk about accomplishments and he'll talk about work and he'll talk about amassing fortune and he'll talk about pleasure and, and he'll have these discussions about these things and then at the end he'll go vanity. Well, that word that we've translated as vanity really means mere breath. Vapors. The most wise person in the world when he talked about the things that we pursue as humans came up on this conclusion that if the things that we do aren't connected to our mission to, to fear God and keep His commandments, then, then the, the knowledge we amass, the things we amass, the, the things we accomplish, what, the, what it boils down to is vapors. It's vapor trails. I was yard sale shopping. I know that's a, a weird segue, but I was looking for a bag. I needed a large, preferably a nylon bag, but I'd take any kind of bag I could find. I'm looking for a duffel bag or some kind of bag to uh, carry my ropes in. Now, these are not just any ropes. These are sample ropes, ropes that a representative from PMI, Pigeon Mountain Industries in Georgia, had gotten me so that I could have this collection of less than 10 feet long 
but these ropes that I could teach knot tying with. And I would put my teaching ropes in, in a, I had this idea to carry them in a, a duffel bag or a backpack. And then when I was teaching climbing or rappelling or even getting ready to do a ropes course and, and wanted to teach knots, I would have these sample ropes that people could use. And I was looking for a bag. And I don't know why Tim Orberson was with me. Maybe I'd seen the the bag that I wanted and had gone and picked him up and we're going to lunch. And I said, Hey, let's anyway, we ended up at this yard sale and there was this large, I mean, super large, heavy duty, really cool looking nylon bag and walked up to the, the lady at the, the thing and said, how much for the bag? And she said, well, there's no price tag on it. What do you give me? I said, I'll give you 25. And she said, sold. And we picked the bag up and took it home. As it turns out, when we got home with the bag, the bag wasn't empty. And what we found in the bag was a parachute. And not just any parachute, not one of these parachutes you get out and you play with in the playground. This was a, a chute that was contained in a package and had a thing that if you pulled the cord, it would deploy, not just like a parachute does and, and flies out. This had an explosive charge. And it would shoot this. And I've still got this cylindrical piece of metal that was tied to a drag rope that was supposed to deploy this chute. I didn't need a parachute. My friend Tim, who flies planes, probably needed a parachute. He was still in his ultralight days. So we said, hey, you keep the parachute, I'll keep the bag. <laughs> One afternoon, he called me screaming into the phone. He thought he was talking normal, but he was yelling, hey, man. Hey, and I could hear him just screaming. And I was like, Tim, calm down. He goes, I am calm, but hey, I opened up that parachute. And what he means by opened it up is he laid it out on his utility trailer and had pulled the actuator or whatever you call the thing that makes it explode. And this large metal cylinder had shot out and drugged the parachute into the air. Had he been a few inches to the left, it would have punched through his sternum and we would have found my dead friend with a parachute canopy through his upper torso but as it turned out he missed and uh, he now had this parachute well we began to do all kind of cool and inventive things with the parachute uh, one of the things that he had was he had this old uh, airplane prop that was still mounted to a, a, a motor and he put an aluminum frame on it and you could set this thing up in a parking lot and turn the thing on and get it to to blow. And and what would happen is is you could put a kid on a skateboard and blow him across the parking lot. Well, if you add the canopy of this parachute to this experiment, it can really get fun. And if you've got the parachute on a windy day and you run with it and let it fill up, you can let the breeze carry you and you can jump incredibly high and, and come back down. And like kind of being in a moon bounce or the moonwalk simulator that they have at the Space and Rocket Center. Well, for whatever reason, we were getting ready for a, a neighborhood carnival or a community picnic or something. And so we're at Tim's house and we're playing with the canopy of the, the parachute. And we're in the front yard. And we've been blowing the parachute with the, the propeller off the old airplane engine. And for whatever reason, I was holding the, the guy lines of, of this parachute and we'd had it inflated and a serious gust of wind got me. And, 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 and I mean, it, it took hold of the parachute and it lifted me and I wasn't carrying me off into the wind like, you know, some poor helpless thing on a cartoon, but it was dragging me across the yard. And so I'm holding the chute. I don't want to lose the chute, but at the same time, I don't want to be carried off into the, you know, the wilderness and somebody find me in the ocean like a floating bottle. And so I'm trying to fight the wind. And not only can you not grasp the wind, you can't fight the wind. 
And it's dragging me across his front yard. His front yard connects to Gurley Pike. And as I look up coming from Ryland Pike, where Ryland Pike turns into Hurricane Creek Road uh, or Hurricane Road, I see a sheriff's deputy car turn right. And they're coming down Gurley Pike. And I am being drugged by this parachute about to cross the road in front of the sheriff's deputy. And it's not a solo sheriff's deputy. It's a sheriff's deputy leading a hearse and a funeral procession. And so here I am, this wild man being drugged behind a parachute, about to cross the road in front of a funeral procession. I let go of the parachute, rolled up into the ditch, and crawled into the culvert so that my identity would not be discovered by the local people of the community whose funeral I had just parachuted into. Not only can you not grasp the wind, you can't fight the wind. I think about the phrase grasping the wind. But then you think about using the wind in a parachute or a sail. And although I can't own the wind and I can't grasp the wind, I can use the wind to to fly. I can use the wind to sail. I can use the air to to cushion a fall if I deploy a parachute. And although I can't own the wind, I can let the wind fill up the thing that I have, whether it's my parachute canopy or my sail. And the power of the wind, the strength of the wind, the the wind in and of itself working maybe not for me, but with me or me working with the wind, I can use its power. See, I wonder if as we go through life, we are trying to to own something rather than use something. I wonder if we're, we're trying to contain something or, or whether we're letting something fill us up. You see the idea that some of the things that we pursue are meaningless and ephemeral and vanishing and vaporous. Yeah, it, it caused the, the wisest man in the world, King Solomon, to look at all this stuff. And, and if it were stuff that were not connected with fear God and keep his commandments, his conclusion of it was it's vapors. You're chasing vapor trails. But if we could use the things in our lives, our, our talents and our tools and, and our possessions, and, and we could allow a different power source to fill us, if, if we could use the, the breath. And, and there's two Hebrew words for breath. It was the mere breath, the one that, that Solomon used, and then there's a different Hebrew word for the breath of life. I wonder which breath we're trying to use, and, and are we being filled with the empty, vaporous, ephemeral breath, or are we being filled with the breath of life? Then, if you make the proper choice, it's not about grasping the wind, but letting the wind fill your sails or fill your parachute, as the case may be. And then you have a different look at life. It's the difference in feeling full, which is a vanishing thing. It goes away. It's like eating food at a Japanese restaurant. You feel full. 
or, or sometimes it's the difference in, in being filled full that we fill our lives up with things that are empty. And, and although we surround ourselves and we amass these things and we are filled full, it's never really satisfying. It's never really what we're after. And so when you think about breath and you think about wind and you think about vapors, is it the vanishing mist that we're chasing? Are we grasping the wind? Are we chasing the wind? Are we roping the wind? Is our goal in life to feel full? To be filled full? Or to be full filled? TKM Incorporated is a supporter of Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. They're located in Moss, Tennessee, and they specialize in erosion control, silt fence, seeding, sod, hydro seeding, hydro mulch, minor excavation work, and traffic control and construction signs. If you need any of their services, please call them at 931-243-3958. That is 931-243-3958. Or you can email them at tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. That is tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. TKM stands for the King's Men. And with their traffic control and construction signs, one of their primary missions is keeping people safe. But because they are the King's Men... They're wishing that everyone could be saved. Mm-hmm.